Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. I praise you, Lord, for this group that's here tonight. And Lord, just all the wonderful things that you're doing in each and every one of our lives, the relationships that you're creating, the businesses that you're growing, the lives that you're touching, the careers that you're building, and just the growth that, of course, that we're doing in our relationship with you. Father, be with us tonight. Be with us as a part of this study. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Minister to your people as only you, the Holy Spirit, can. We empty ourselves as vessels ready to receive your anointing. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind you. We bind every spirit, not every of the Holy Spirit. We bind every principality, every wicked spirit in high place, every ruler's spirit, binding Satan first and every spirit under him. And we break all lines of communication between all of you. In the name of Jesus, we cast you out. You're bound. You're cast out. We're set free. We're delivered and we're covered in the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we just release angels right now to stand around this place, Lord. Minister to us as the angels ministered to Jesus when he returned from the wilderness, Lord. Some of us have been through wilderness this week, Father, and we just ask you to be with us tonight. Comfort us. Meet us at our place of most intimate need, Lord, and bless this Bible study in Jesus' name. And all that agrees, say, Amen. Amen. Well, tonight is a wonderful night in the Lord. We've been working our way through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to do just a little more Ephesianing tonight. Of course, remember the uh, Ephesus was, uh, was a, a, a party place and a place of pagan worship and all kinds of fun stuff. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, founded a church there. And uh, he, he planted a church there, founded a church there, whatever you want to call it, set, set a church up there. <laughs> and then he kept on his merry way and he left folks in charge. And what, what actually the book of Ephesians is, is an epistle, which is a fancy term for a letter. And... Uh, you know, it, when, when Paul wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus, of course, it didn't have chapters and verses. That was just kind of done later to make things easier. So there really is no separation. So people, oh man, you know, you're, you're jumping around in the book. You know, you're going from chapter to chapter. And listen, the chapters is just the way we organized it, you know. So tonight, we're going to turn in the book of Ephesians, and we've, we've entitled tonight's Bible study, Fellow Heirs. Fellow heirs. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to do some Bible jumping tonight. We're going to go to Psalms 84, and we're going to go through Matthew 7, and a couple other places. But uh, for now, let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. And this is Paul speaking here, of course. To be specific, now here, he, he stops because he's going to say something important. So we, we, we don't want to underestimate the fact that he is speaking here and he's saying to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body. Jesus was a, an active Jew. The whole Christian thing came after Jesus died and resurrected. Okay, but at the time, Jesus was a practicing Jew who recognized and, 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 and participated in all of the Jewish celebrations and all of the different things. He, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. The letter of the law kills, but the word of the law brings life. And the word, Jesus said, I am the word. And Jesus said, I, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Right? And Genesis to Revelation talks about Jesus. When Jesus was, was rejected by his own people, 
God said, well, fine, I'm going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to do a, a new thing here. We're going to spread it out. We're going to give it out to everybody. Yes, the Jewish people are, are God's chosen people. Okay, so we as, as Christians, we need to understand that we were grafted in. Okay, we were, we were brought in to the promises that were given to the Jews. Okay, so as Gentiles or as pagans or non-believers or people who believed in another God and worshipped other, other deities and things of that nature, we were all brought in to this relationship, okay, or this fellowship, okay, with Christ and, and being heirs, it says here. Well, an heir, the, the word isn't a mistake. An heir means an inheritance, Right? Jesus said, I go to my father to prepare a place for you. He said, this is a new covenant or a new testament, a new agreement. When you, when you die or when you leave this earth, right, what do you leave for your family? You leave your last will and testament. You understand? So you leave it to whom? To your heirs. You see? So here, what Paul is saying is that the Gentiles our fellow heirs. This is important because, you know, the, the, the Jewish folks of that time were very legalistic. They were very, you know, they were, they were very, uh, quote-unquote, law-abiding. And that being so law-abiding, so legalistic, got them into a lot of trouble. There were was, there was so many examples in the Scripture where Jesus uh, said, you know, hey, you guys, uh, uh, you know, you abide by the law, you do this, you do that, you, you really live the law out, you tithe, you, you wash your hands before every meal, but, but you guys are hypocrites. I mean, you ever seen a, a person who looks like he's doing everything right? Looks like he's doing everything right, and all of a sudden you find, you find and you start digging a little, and you start to realize that this person has uh, something going on on the side here or there. See, he looks like a law-abiding citizen or a law-abiding person. And that's, that's what the Jews of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which were, were sects of the Jewish religion at the time, that's what they were into. They were into keeping the law. One of the ways that you, that you were designated a Jew was by physical circumcision. If you guys don't know what that means, I suggest you go to google.com and you look up circumcision because... It hurts just to think about it, <laughs> and I'm not going to go there, okay? But circumcision is a way that the, that the Jews separated themselves from others, from other, from other Gentile groups. And Paul says that not, o- that not only are we circumcised in our bodies, but also God has circumcised our heart, Okay, which means basically to take away, to peel away that outer layer of the heart and to expose it for what it is so that God can regenerate it and renew it. Paul is saying here that, that he wants to be specific. He wants people to understand that, hey, this is the way it is. The Gentiles are fellow heirs in this whole thing. They're, they're members of the body. How many people here know that, that we are the body of Christ? Okay, so if, if, if we're the body of Christ and so are the Jews, Paul is again saying, hey, we want to make sure that you understand that, that these folks here and you are the body. Because in that time, there was all kinds of different people living in Ephesus, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Do, do you realize that this book, 
This book right here is full of promises. We're going to touch on those promises in the next few weeks because I really believe that in the day of the $3.50 a gallon gas tank, in the day of the, of the war going on in Iraq, in the day of political instability, in the day of we don't know where the next paycheck is coming from, in the day of 5% to 7% unemployment rate in this country, we don't know what's going on. So we need to stand on the promises of our Heavenly Father. It's so important that we understand that as we go forward, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon. The Bible doesn't say some weapons formed against you will prosper, folks. It says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that's raised against you shall what? Shall be put to shame. Amen. So you got people out there that are talking mess about you or that are saying this or saying that. And listen, let me tell you something. My Bible says that you just bless them. The Bible says to bless your enemies. See, when you're ready to do the ridiculous, God is ready to do the miraculous, amen? And here, it's ridiculous. Most people, you talk about me, I'll slap you upside your head, man. What are you talking about? Talking about blessing my enemies. Yes, bless my enemies. Love them. Love on them. Praise God. Ask the Lord to bless them. Ask the Lord to win them to the kingdom. The Bible says that if you bless your enemies, it'll be like hot coals on their head. Now, I don't know why. Except for I do know that no one that has ever read this gospel and has ever been put to shame. Okay? So basically here, we are, we are fellowshipping or we are, we are members of this, of this promise in Christ through the gospel. The gospel means the good news. And what is the good news? It's real easy. For God so loved the world, you guys know it, that while we were yet sinners, He sent his only begotten son to die for us. Amen. That is the gospel. That's the good news. Why? Because otherwise, had God not done that, then we would be eternally damned to an eternal life of separation from God. Do you understand that everybody has eternal life? Everybody, whether believer or non-believer, they have eternal life. It doesn't end here, folks. This is, this is, if you will, this is the, this is the spiritual waiting lobby, if you will, to, to what's, to what's really where your life really comes. The Bible says that a man's life is but a breath. We, we run around, man, and we make such a big deal of our lives. Don't we? We run around, and really at the end of the day, what is it? (sighs) Nothing. It's a blink of an eye in time. You see? The scripture says to, to store our, 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 our treasures in heaven. God's talking about spiritual treasures. You really need to focus. You need to understand the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of it. When you are born again, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you became a new creature. You're, you're a new person. You're not the same person you were. You don't think the same way. You don't act the same way. You don't, you don't look at life the same way. If you don't, if you do look at life the same way, then you need to spend more time in this book and understand that God has great things for us. I mean, this is just exciting. We're going to really have a great time understanding the promises and the love that God has for us. We spend a lot of time talking about the do's and don'ts. And this is, but remember, folks, he's our heavenly father. He loves us. He loves us. And what, what father is it that doesn't want to give his children great things? Keeping that in mind, let's turn to Psalms 84, 11. 
For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Colon. And that means stop and think about that for a second. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. That means that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. They call Jesus the light of the world. But he is also our protector. He is our shield. What is he our shield against? Well, against what we should have gotten to begin with. (laughs) The Lord gives grace and glory. Stop again. The Lord, see, this is, this is where when we stop and we just think about it, I'm not just stopping here just to, you know, to sit here and tear it apart and talk about it for 15 minutes. When you really stop to think about it, this is, these are just statements. The Lord, the Lord gives grace and glory. Grace is not of ourselves. Glory is not of ourselves. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So it says no good thing. Does it say that he holds some good things and doesn't give you other things? No. He says he gives you his grace. He gives you his glory. Okay? And grace is is God's riches at Christ's expense. I've said that before. God gives you the kingdom and Christ paid for it. But it's your inheritance. Now, let's look at this picture for a minute. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because basically everything the Father has, He's put it into Jesus' hand. I was listening to a preacher who said something really profound last week. He was talking about, well, why? what was the concept? What was the reason that you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What did each one want to get out of the gospel? Okay, what was the... What they each had a purpose. Obviously, they had a singular purpose. Okay, but... That was that God the Father be glorified. But what was each one's purpose? Now this is deep. So you're going to have to think about this one for a minute. So what did the Father, what does the Father get out of the gospel? Well, the Father gets a family. Okay? Because we are now one members, members of one family. There's, there's one group. We've been grafted in. One, one, now it doesn't matter if you're American, if you're African American, if you're Cuban, if you're Puerto Rican, if you're a Christian, you've been, you've been grafted in. If you're Jewish, doesn't matter. It's all, you've all been grafted in. So what does the Father get? He gets a family. Right? What does the Holy Spirit get? The Holy Spirit, listen to this, gets a temple. But not a temple made out of rock. Not a temple out of stone. Not a temple made in a tent. He gets to, in the way you come and you visit. You know, after we leave here tonight, this place is going to be empty. But the Holy Spirit is still going to indwell within us. With His temple. With God's creation. So, and what does the son get? He gets a bride. Wow. From the man who's getting a bride this weekend. Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And he finds favor too. And he finds a good thing. So Henry's going to be blessed this week with a, with a, uh, with a new wife and a new, a new exciting time in the Lord. Let's turn real quick to Matthew chapter 7. Let's keep reading about these promises of God because they're so important for us to understand. You know, when you join the army, when you go to get a new job, when you go to, you go to do anything uh, that, that you're going to hopefully enjoy, 
And even if you're not going to enjoy, you get kind of a manual. You get a, a th these are the do's and don'ts, the, the things you're going to get, the things you aren't going to get. And, and that's kind of like what we're dealing with here. A lot of folks spend so, so much time in the do's and don'ts of the scripture that they don't realize that in the scripture, there are nuggets of just blessing that will just bless your socks off. So, D, if you would read us Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Wow, isn't that a beautiful thing? Everyone who asks shall receive. You know, some, some people we, we've, we've talked about before this whole predestination thing and what it really means and, and does that mean that some people are going to hell and some people aren't? I've never seen anyone cry out to the Lord and then be rejected. Okay, but, but if you go kind of backwards here and you look at verse 7, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. Everyone that asks is going to get it. If you, the Bible says that you draw nigh unto the Lord and he will draw nigh unto you. Nigh is a fancy way of he'll, he'll, he'll come near to you. Okay, and when you've been in the presence of the Lord, remember when Moses came down from the mountain with the, with the Ten Commandments, they said that people couldn't even look at him straight because he had the glory of the Lord on him. You ever, you seen when, when, when you really go and you spend some time with the Lord, when you spend some time in praise and worship, people look at you and say, what's wrong with you? You're not complaining like you used to. You're not griping like you used to. You're not talking negative like you used to. You're not, you're not playing the woulda, shoulda, coulda game like you used to. What is it? It's all amen and hallelujah and praise the Lord. And that's the way it should be. The Bible says to speak to each other in hymns and in songs and in praise. You see? So we're supposed to recite the word I'm having a bad day, dude. I'm just, oh man. All good things work for the glory of those who love the Lord. So if you're going through a bad time, guess what? It's going to all work itself out. And that is, that is so important for us to keep focused on. Knock and it shall be open to you. Again, these people who talk about predestination, oh, God is going to, some people, God's going to send to hell. That's not true. God is not sending anyone to hell. It's his goodwill that all be saved and that none be none perish. But you need to knock. You need to Lord, Lord, let me in. Come and fellowship with me. Forgive me of my sins and he will. For everyone who asks shall receive and he who seeks shall find and him who knocks, it shall be opened. So it's not like God is going to stand on the other side of the door saying, nope, we're full. I, I, I freak out because I hear denominations that talk about that there's only going to be 144,000 people in heaven, man. You know, and, and, and they came knocking at my door one time and I told them, I said, ma'am, if that was the truth, I'd stay home. I wouldn't tell anybody because I want to make sure I had my place. See, but let me tell you, come on in here. Let me tell you about the heaven that I know about where everyone is welcome 
Everyone is welcome. All you got to do is love the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, who is it among you that's going, that your son is going to ask you for a loaf of bread and you're going to give him a rock? <laughs> My son wakes up in the morning. Can you just picture it? Mom, I'm ready for breakfast. So here's your orange juice. Here's your egg. And here's a piece of sedimentary for you. Here you go. There you go. No, no. No, she's going to give him the freshest bread. She went out and she went to Publix and she got it. I'd say my wife baked it, but she doesn't. Um, and, and, she, and she put it in the toaster and she made sure it was just at the right place for him and, and put the butter on it for him and the jelly if he likes it. And then she serves it up to him because she wants to give him what he wants. If we do this for our kids, do you think that the love that we have for our children comes just of ourselves? Folks, I, I, I hate to disillusion you, but we are some, we, we are some of the most selfish people. Okay. And, and the only time that we really have true love that has no self-indulgence in it is when we're truly submitted to the Lord. How many of you look at some of the stuff you do today as Christians and look at, and I don't know about you, but I, I wake up and I go, I must be nuts. I really must be. I, Man, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I got saved, or right, right when I got saved, or, 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 or shortly before that, or whatever, I, I would have never done that. And the Lord says, yeah, it's, it's not you, Mikey, it's me living in you. It's me working through you. It's me showing my love through you. In, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We are incapable of showing love without, without God. You understand? At least true love. True love. I mean, everybody has, oh, I love this, and I love chocolate ice cream, and I love having a good paycheck, and I love going on vacation, and I, we just throw the word love around today like it's nothing. But the true love, true love is the man that lays down his life for his friends, Jesus said. That's true love. Laying down your life doesn't mean jumping out in front of a train or a truck or a bus. It just means, you know what, how, how can I put my knees aside for you, bro? And how can I, how can I bless you today? How can, even if it's just to, just to tell you how nice it is to be your friend, how wonderful it is to, to enjoy your company. You know, there, there's a friend of mine, and, and I don't take this individual for granted by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a friend of mine that I can pick up the phone and call just about any time, and this guy has unconditionally come to be a blessing to me and my family, just at any time. That's a friend. That's a person who is not just talking a good line, but he's living it. How many of us can say the same? That love isn't of all, isn't of us. But you know why that is? Because really, we understand that God is our provider. He provides for all our wants, and most of all, He provides for our needs. See, everybody here has needs, okay? But we have tried, we, I need this. I need that. My wife never, my wife goes to the store. We never, oh honey, I want to get this. Or I, I want to, we need that. We need that. Are you sure? We, oh yes, we need that. <laughs> we need that. Are you sure? Well, it would be nice. <laughs> you know, so it, it, she, she's great. And, uh, and, and it's just a, a thing of, we, we also don't know what we need, but you know what? The Bible says that God knows and he gives us our needs. And I can show you. I can prove it. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Okay, and in verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to 
whose riches? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. A lot of people, oh man, I need a new house and I need a new car and I need a this and I need a that and I need the other and I need the other. Does it say here, and my God shall supply all my needs according to what I have in my bank account and what my credit score is and what my position is at work? No, it doesn't. The Bible says that let God be true and every man a liar. So God doesn't stutter, folks. Okay, here it says that my God shall provide all your needs and all my needs, of course. See, my God, the same God that you worship, the same God that you love, if we both believe in Jesus, if we both value a relationship with Jesus, and we both are, are brothers in the faith, and, and we're, we're, we're covered in the blood of Jesus, and we're just fellow believers, then my God, who is also your God, shall provide for all your needs in His riches, in His glory. Because see, God wants to glorify himself in your life. People come up, hey man, that's a sweet ride you got there. Oh yeah, my dad gave it to me. Really? Yeah. Man, that's a beautiful house you have. Yeah, my dad gave it to me. Dude, what's wrong with you? You a leech or something? Don't you do anything for yourself? No, man. My dad wants me to take everything he gives me. I don't get anything myself. I gave up on doing that a long time ago. Well, who's your dad? His name's Jesus. Jesus? Yeah, really? Just like the, the guy who died 2,000 years ago? Oh yeah, you, you remember the part that he died? Let me tell you a story. See, he died 2,000 years ago, but he rose on the third day, you know? And he rose and he, he, he went up and he ascended 40 days later to take, sit at the right hand of the Father. And, and people said, you're wacky, dude. Like, hey, listen, my dad's a great dad. Look what he gave me. Yeah, a minute ago when you thought it was my real dad, you were, for just a minute, you were wishing you had a dad like that too. But you can't have my physical dad. But I'll tell you what, all of you are entitled to have a relationship with my spiritual dad. You see, so why does God do it? God does it because he wants to glorify himself. Jesus said you can't hide your light under the bed. Okay, you need to put it up on a lampstand. You understand? So people can see it. It's a great song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Why am I going to let it shine? So that everybody else can see God's glory. And when they, and when they understand, man, you, you, don't have a, you don't have an education. And you don't really have a whole lot of money. I mean, wh what is it with you that makes you so happy? And how do you have all this stuff? And we're all worried about losing our jobs. And well, listen, I, I mean, my dad... My dad's the king of the universe, man. I don't need to worry about anything because he says that all I need to do is make sure that I got a good relationship with him. It's his riches. It's his glory. It's all about him. See, that's the whole idea here. Why does God do what he does? Because it's all about him. People say, well, yeah, but, but Mikey, you're talking about Paul here. Paul saying that my God shall... Pro okay, well, then let's go, let's go to the man himself. Let's turn to Matthew... Chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. I'm going to make sure everybody here is blessed. Are people getting blessed by this today? Is this what, what, what we needed to hear today? I know I needed to hear this. It's a, it's a tough time right now. And, and we, we need to know that though a thousand will fall to our left and ten thousand will fall to our right, nothing's going to happen to you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Why? Because you're covered with the blood. You're sanctified. You're set apart. You're holy. 
You're a priesthood set apart unto God's plan. In Matthew 6, verse 32, it says, For all these things, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. What things is it that the Gentiles seek? Well, paychecks and cars and all of these different things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. There's some people that go out there and they, they take a vote of poverty. And I have never understood this. When was it the last time that you saw... I mean, the only, the only royal family I can really bring to, to mind here is, is, is the, the royal family out in, uh, in, uh, in the UK, is, is Prince Charles and, and, and Prince William and all that. They're queen's kids. Why is it, if they're, if they're a child of royalty, why on earth are they going to put that down? We're not called to take a vote of poverty anywhere in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that God's going to give us His riches. Well, what does that mean? Everything. God's going to give you everything. He's going to give you what you can handle. Does that mean you're going to have a million dollars in the bank? Well, no. Maybe you can't handle a million dollars. I could, if I really wanted to, give my eight-year-old $100 tonight when I get home. Okay, I, I really could. I could go to the bank and I could withdraw $100 and give it to him. But what is my eight-year-old going to do with that 100 bucks? He's going to go, yeah, but what is he going to, he's going to go spend it on foolishness. He's going to go to the ice cream truck. He's going to go down to Toys R Us. He's going to spend his money on foolish things because he doesn't know how to handle money yet. He's learning. See, I can give him five bucks, okay, and he'll start to say, oh, wait, I can't go to the ice cream truck and I can't go to Toys R Us and I can't, I can't do all that with this five bucks, so I need, to, I need to figure out what I can do to make more. <laughs> no, he said, I need to figure out what I can do to economize this. And see, and he starts to learn. So the next time I give him 10 bucks and he does the right thing with it and you say, wow, well, son, how about if we work here and you do some work here and you, you do what I ask you to do and next time you can make 20 bucks. You see, I have everything I have and everything belongs to my children Okay, when, if, if I leave this earth. Everything belongs to my children and my wife. But you don't entrust it to them all in one shot. So while you are entitled to everything, God isn't going to always give you everything. Why? Well, we need to learn to seek Him first. Okay, and when it says to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, it means His ideas, His mindset, the way that He wants to do things, the way that He wants to look at things, the way He wants you to value things. You understand? And then all shall be added to you, given to you. You know, put in your hands. Again, where'd you get this house? My dad gave it to me. Where'd you get this car? Dad gave it to me too. How'd you get it? just hanging out with him, just seeking him, asking him what he wants me to, how he wants me to live my life, how he wants me to participate in everything that, that I have, and, and, and he wants me to tell you what a blessing he's been to me, so that you can share in what I have, not because you're going to come and get half my stuff, but because God's got a plan for you. See, God's got an individual plan for each and every one of us, and this book right here doesn't, it's not a general book. The scripture is alive and active, which means that this book has an absolute message for everyone. Sure, I've sat here and I've spoken to you folks about different things, but I know 
that the Holy Spirit has also used tonight to touch you and to speak to you about a a particular situation, a situation that I may not know about, that your neighbor here may not know about, that no one may know about, something that you've been wrestling with that you just had on your heart tonight and God sent you here and said, you know, come in faith to the Bible study. Come and listen to my word tonight and I'm going to talk to you through my word. I'm going to I'm going to just minister to you and I'm going to make that beating heart of yours sit still and at peace. Make those headaches go away, make that frustration go away. Why? Because God wants to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you everything he has. He doesn't just want to give you your needs. People say, "Well, But I want this and I want that. Well, God wants to give you your wants too. Turn to Psalm 23.1. You don't even have to turn there too long. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want this and I want that. And I want the other. And I want the other. And I want the other. Because people in the world right now have so many wants Because they think that the thing that they want is going to give them peace. They think that the thing that they get is going to give them security. They think that the thing that they want is going to give them status or a sense of person, a sense of somebodyness. And the fact is that the only thing I've learned to want is Jesus. Because really, at the end of the day, Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my identity. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. And I can keep going on with what Jesus is and Jesus is and Jesus is and Jesus is. And you know what? My bank account is not my Savior. My bank account is not my provider. My job is not who I am. You understand? I don't want anything else but a relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says that if I seek that relationship diligently, without ceasing, then He will give me All the desires of my heart. You know the irony though, folks? The closer you get to Jesus, the less you really want. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you really start to understand the relationship that he has with you and that he wants to have with you going forward. I mean, you think you got a great relationship with Jesus today? (laughs) It's nothing compared to what it's going to be tomorrow. And it's nothing compared to what it's going to be 10 years from now. And it's nothing compared to what it's going to be when you see his face in heaven. That's going to be the ultimate relationship. We're not going to be going around in circles and circles and circles, you know, going around the throne all day. I mean, listen, to worship God is a great thing. But do you think that you're living the life you're living here? Do you think that you're doing everything you're doing here so you can go around and sit on a white puffy cloud and worship God all day and just go around the throne going, holy, 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 holy? No. Heaven is a place with cities and, and jobs and everything else. Jesus, Jesus has described heaven in so many ways. And it sounds like there's a whole lot of work to do up there. But there's rules and there's ways to do things. And the only way that you're going to be successful at the job God has for you is by really reading the plan that he has for you. The benefits package, if you will. The, the, uh, the do's and don'ts. The, uh, the, the way that things are done in this heavenly realm that we call the kingdom. God is going to give you everything that you need if you but seek him. Everything you want, he's going to give to you if you seek him. You see? So it's so important that we start to learn about God's promises. 
As we go forward this week, I really want us to contemplate. Look at the handout. Look at the notes. So we didn't get through all of it. We're going to continue again wherever the Holy Spirit leads next week. But really, look at this. It's so important that we know who our Heavenly Father is and what this inheritance, what this testament that He has for us is. Amen? Father, we give you thanks and praise because we know that we've heard from your Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, we worship you. We give you thanks, O Jesus, just for who you are, for your awesomeness, for the wonderful things that you're doing in our lives and for the great plans that you have for us both here and with you in eternity. Father, use us as instruments of your righteousness. Father, use us as messengers to go out and spread the good news of our Heavenly Father and what He did for us and what He wants to do for all His creation. Lord, help us let everyone know that that God is waiting just for you and He's got a plan just for you. Lord, give us words and give us favor. The Word says, Lord, that when a man is right with his God, even his enemies find favor with him. Lord, help us find favor even with our enemies by strengthening our relationship with you. We depend on you not only for the air we breathe, for the earth that we walk on, for the water that we drink, for the food that we eat, for the blood that runs through our veins, but we mostly depend on you, Lord, for a relationship with you. Give us that relationship. Be with us this week. I pray for, for Dee and for Henry as they, uh, as they prepare for their wedding on Saturday, Lord, that you bless them, Lord. Bless their, their loyalty to you, their faith walk. Lord, we all agree here that they're going to have a wonderful marriage. We We just speak blessings into their lives. Spiritual blessings, financial blessings, all kinds of blessings, Lord. Lord, touch them, continue to minister to them. Use them mightily as messengers and and as a witness unto your goodness and your awesomeness. Father, be with us all as we go walking forward this week. Make straight our path. Open the doors that you'd like to open. Close the doors that you'd like to have shut. Seal them with the blood of Jesus so that they never be opened again, unless it's your will. Lord, we give you thanks and praise until we meet here again next week. We give you more thanks every day. In Jesus' name, amen.